0: hello everybody and welcome to the 41st blockbuster episode of mtg fast finance the podcast that's building a wall of bulk boxes around the white house to keep the crazies in MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of Magic the Gathering, finance, collection management, and speculation. I'm your host, James Chilcott, aka at MTG Critic on the interwebs, and my co-host, Travis Allen, can't be with us this week, but we're still here to help you guys make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering. want to make sure that you guys know we're uh, looking forward to sharing some valuable information with all of you this week. Uh, The show is sponsored by mtgprice.com, the leading MTG Finance community. Sign up today at mtgprice.com to manage your collection, track your specs, and read articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby. This week, we have our usual four segments. First off, we're going to deal with our top movers, the cards that have been making the biggest gains this week. Then we're on to our picks of the week, and I'm going to share some of the best places I think that you should put your money this week and uh, update you to the picks that Cliff made off-camera. Um, after that, we've got some tournament results to go through, and we're going to talk a little bit about our uh, topic of the week, which is the promotional programs that Wizards is uh, introducing to LGSs in the in the coming weeks. Uh, so let's just dive right in on our top movers. Um, first big mover of the week is Yidris Maelstrom w- wielder. This is the Commander uh, 2016. Um, commander that uh, is available in foil in one of the new decks, uh, made a move from $8 to $12 for a 50% gain. People are pretty excited to brew around that powerful new commander. Um, He gives cascade every time he makes contact with a player, uh, and he has trample, so that's a fairly uh, reasonable assumption that your, your wishes will come true, and you'll get to do some cascading in your commander games in the near future. Another big mover this week was Statecraft at a Mercadian Masks, uh, card that uh, hasn't seen a reprint in a while and moved from $1.75 to seventy-five to three fifty on the back of super low inventory. Um, it occasionally shows up in a couple of commander decks um, and other, otherwise is uh, has a relatively low demand profile. So um, if you can trade these out in the $3 to $4 range and you had some lying around, uh, that seems like a reasonable exit point. Also on our list this week, we have Braid's Conjurer Adept. This is the planar chaos general that basically gives everybody a show-and-tell every turn. Um, Also, pretty much, mostly a commander card, and it was the foils that showed the big movement, moving from about $12 to $25, again, on relatively low inventory. This is a a card, again, that has not been reprinted in quite some time, and uh, shows up as a general uh, here and there, as like a tier 2, tier 3 choice in, in EDH circles um, a pretty cool card not one that's easy to reprint given the the name of the card although it could show up in some kind of future supplementary product or or see a reprint in a future commander product um, for probably the six next six to twelve months though i would think these foils are a relatively safe place um if you're holding a couple um uh, if you're looking to pick one up i would expect that there will be a bit of a fallback as some copies re-enter the marketplace as people take notice on the 100% plus jump And uh, otherwise, it's a a good point to be trading out. The final big move of the week is Scrying Sheets at a Cold Snap. This is the land that featured uh, prominently in the Scred Red deck that won the Modern GP in Dallas last weekend. And uh, this card moved from $6 to $15. That's a $9 gain, or about 150%. Um, Based on the hype that was going on around the Scred Red deck, um, I think this is probably a pretty good uh, place to get off the train if you had any of these uh, in your collection. Um, Pretty unlikely that it was on your radar as uh, a speculative um, pick, uh, given that Scred has pretty much always been on the fringes when it's been talked about at all, Um, so if you can get out... Uh, on this one, some are in the you know twelve to fifteen dollar range and trade or sell online, and say the nine to twelve dollar range, um, you'd be in a pretty good position as well. Moving on to our cards to watch this week, uh, first I want to talk about Cryptic Command foils. Um, this card staged a bit of a comeback last week at GP Dallas. Um, the f- there's relatively low foil supply under $30, and I could easily see these hitting 40 to 50 again uh, if it doesn't show up in M7 uh, Modern Masters 2017 next spring. Um, my bet is that we're not getting Cryptic Command again. We've already seen it uh, in the last two Modern Masters printings, and it's time to uh, make room for some new reprints. Um, and as such, uh, both the Modern Masters 2015 foils as well as uh, the... Um, uh, promo foils, the textless ones that are out there, uh, available under 40, are probably relatively safe places to put your money, especially if you think you're going to be playing with these in modern. Um, I think that there is some risk of a masterpiece version showing up in the next couple of years, so that's something to be thinking about. Um, but otherwise, this is you know a staple that ebbs and flows with the metagame, um, but you're going to be relatively safe holding for quite some time, and there's some potential upside, uh, assuming that you're playing with them. Cliff uh, made clear to me that he was interested in Berserk as a mid to long term hold out of EMA, given that EMA is getting a, uh, sorry, out of Conspiracy 2, not EMA. Um, and given that Conspiracy was uh, probably opened relatively, uh, in, in relatively low volume in the late summer, sandwiched between uh, Eldritch Moon and uh, the release of Kaladesh. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see these, you know, $13, $14, $15 copies move up into the 20 to $30 range again, um, and, you know, Cliff made notes that it was, you know, the best pump spell ever, maximum uh, availability at current time, and unlikely to be reprinted again for a while. Um, although if we get a spell-themed, you know, instance and Sorceries-themed Masterpiece Edition, again, I think this is iconic enough that it could potentially show up there. But it's amazing uh, in, you know, Cube, uh, and, and certainly in decks like Legacy, in fact, that run uh, run the card. Um, so something to be keeping your eye out for. One, My second pick of the week is Smuggler's Copter Foils. Um, this is a uh, short-to-long-term play. Hard to know if or when you would ever get a spike on this, but they're in relatively low supply for a falset rare foil. Um, the card is extremely popular, as I'm sure you well know in Standard, often played as a four of in multiple decks, and one should never underestimate the spec potential of a relatively low casting cost, colorless card that can fit into multiple archetypes. There's even uh, outsider lists in Modern that are running this card, along cards like Bitter Blossom, and um, I could easily see this becoming a deck at some point in the Modern format, if the right uh, combination of cards appear that make it good. We still have another vehicles-themed set in Ether Revolt coming uh, early in the winter, and that who knows what that will do to further turn on the potential of Smuggler's Copter and other formats. Um, based on all of that, uh, and the fact that Kaladesh will be in Standard for a full two years, um, I think that the foils are a relatively safe place to park some money for a while, and um, I, I would be targeting getting in somewhere in the $15 to $17 range on foils. Um, they're not carrying a tremendous multiplier, uh, mostly because they're thought of as uh, primarily a standard card, and standard foils isn't generally really where you want to be, but if it does find a home uh, in other places, uh, then these foils could top out in the $25 to $30 range relatively easily. Uh, Cliff's other pick this week was thought not seer foils. Um... Eldrazi cards have certainly been a theme on this cast um, throughout 2016. Uh, Everything from Eldrazi Displacer to Reality Smasher to Eldrazi Temple, uh, uh, all of these cards have been uh, name-dropped as potential specs, uh, especially the foils on the basis that, um, despite uh, the key banning of Eye of Ugin, um, various forms of the Eldrazi decks have made an impact uh, or continue to make an impact in modern as well as in legacy and even so far as in vintage Um, and here foils, um, currently available in the about $18 range. Um, I certainly liked these a lot more when they were $12 to $15 and I was picking them up, Um, uh, but they certainly have some potential uh, mid-to-long-term to to get up to $30. Um, The card still has uh, the potential to be be the centerpiece of uh, a deck in standard before it rotates out, um, if it gets the right you know, combination of colorless uh, support lands to, to make casting it uh, a little easier. Um, and otherwise, uh, I could easily see how, barring a reprint, give this two or three years to mature, and it will be uh, a pretty good return. The other card I wanted to turn your attention to this week is Snow-Covered Mountains, specifically the ones, uh, the printing in Ice Age, not the one in Cold Snap. Uh, the Ice Age art is clearly superior. Um, and the timeline for this would be, you know, short to mid. Um, there's already they've already dried up quite a bit on the back of Scred Red um, being hyped coming out of its win at GP Dallas. Um, I don't really see all that many players jumping on the Scred Red bang, band, bandwagon. It wasn't uh, a known player um, that brought this to the forefront, and until we see repeated results um, of the deck at Big tournaments and on camera, I, I don't think there's going to be much reason for people to drop the deck they're already playing and switch over to this uh, this uh, outsider brew um, that many are probably thinking of as as somewhat of a fluke. Um, but if you can pick up uh, you know copies of Snow-Covered Mountains in the two to two to three dollar range, it's quite possible they may end up being a five to six dollar card. Um, Inventory is already low, um, lots of stores will have these in bulk bins potentially available for you know pennies and the reality is that this is one of the, the rare cases where if you want to play this deck you don't just need 4 copies of this card, you need 20 copies of this card because Snow-Covered Mountains are considered basic lands so you run the full complement of 20 so you can turn things on like scred and like scrying sheets. Um, and on that basis, uh, you're in a fairly unique position where it takes much fewer, uh, many fewer players to drain the marketplace of the available inventory. And we've already seen that uh, go on coming out of last weekend. So, something to, you might want to check your old Ice Age uh, binders or your bulk bins, uh, both locally and in your closet, and see what you've got lying around, and see if you can do, make some profitable trades or potentially out some snow covered mountains on Puka trade as, as I was doing last month. Um, Moving on to Segment 3 this week, we're going to talk through uh, the metagame Week in Review. Uh, Top of the agenda was certainly the results coming out of GP Dallas, um, which was a modern tournament with almost 2,000 players. Um, And as I just said, um, in talking about the Snow-Covered Mountains, it was Scred Red uh, that uh, took first place at that tournament. Uh, prominently featuring some cards that we don't see all that much of in Modern, uh, including four Cough of the Hammer, two Scrying Sheets, the uh, aforementioned Twenty Snow Covered Mountains, um, and even a copy of Chandra Torch of Defiance, who can now say that she has won a Modern GP, um, which certainly makes me feel a little better about the promo foil copy that was shipped to me on Puka Trade last month. Um, We also had three copies of Storm Breath Dragon in that deck uh, and three copies of Blood Moon, as well as four main deck copies of Relic of Progenitus, uh, a card that is likely to continue uh, uh, a mild upward trend so long as uh, decks that are like Dredge, that rely heavily on the graveyard, are dominating the meta. In second place uh, last weekend, we had a Grixis Control deck, um, which marked the resurgence of Cryptic Command, uh, which we talked about earlier, as well as three copies of Koligan's Command, uh, a foil that has already done relatively well for me and some other people that invested in it fairly early. Ancestral Visions is not, uh, has not really climbed up out of the pit of, of uh, disappointment that many people felt after it was unbanned and failed to do much, but it did feature prominently here as a four of uh, alongside Snapcaster Mage. Um, we had three copies of infect decks in the top eight which is no big surprise given the prominence of that archetype uh, in recent uh, months and a a single copy of dredge alongside two other fairly interesting decks the first of which was jeskai control um, running four cryptic command three supreme verdict three snapcaster and a torrential gear hulk um, for those moments in the late game where you'd much be rather be dropping a large body uh, into flashing a, a good instant back than a small body. And there was also a Titan shift list, which was kind of a merger of a through the breach list using um, Primeval Titan and a Valakut slash Shift style list. It was running three Anger of the Gods, three Summoners Pact, the Primeval Titans, and four through the breach, as well as four main deck Chalice of the Void. A very interesting metagame call and a merger of two archetypes that would be worth keeping an eye on moving forward. As for the Star City Games tournaments last weekend, uh, the most interesting result was probably Reed Duke taking first in the Standard uh, tournament that they ran with red-white vehicles. Um, The rest of that top eight looked pretty much as you would expect with no big surprises. Uh, But I'm interested to see how things develop uh, in that standard metagame. Um, they're about due for a new deck to show up on the scene, but it's possible we'll have to wait till either revolt to see anything truly interesting uh, rise to the top tier. Now, our topic of the week this week is uh, a discussion of the promotional efforts that Wizards is making um, in terms of what is being offered to local gaming stores, uh, your local LGS. Um, is probably getting a couple of interesting things you may want to pay attention to. The first of these is a, a reprint of Eternal Masters, um, the limited edition uh, set from last summer that was put out um, with the intent of providing you know, legacy, vintage, cubers, and EDH players with a variety of, of fantastic uh, older cards, uh, things like Wasteland and Jace the Mind Sculptor and so forth. And it's certainly a little bit surprising that just six months later, we're we're hearing that Wizards has plans to put the set back into print. Now, the printing itself is is intended to be limited. I heard from a couple of my vendor contacts that through Wizards directly, they will be getting uh, a few cases. And then through distributors, it'll really be up to the distributors to decide how to dole out the product. What this means is that we might only be getting, you know, anywhere from five to 20% additional Eternal Masters in the marketplace. But it also means that um, during the holiday season where uh, magic prices tend to take go through a bit of a lull as people sell off in pursuit of purchasing gifts um, and paying off credit card bills, um, you may want to hold off on diving too deeply on any of the specs from Eternal Masters that you had in mind um, until we're a couple months past the reprinting, um, where you may be able to get some great deals heading into Christmas and into uh, early January. Um, so that's something to be aware of. The other thing that's going on is that they're putting out um, these things called uh, Buy a Box and Standard Showdown Booster Packs, which are include one premium card from a currently legal standard set, including potentially Kaladesh Inventions or Zendikar Expeditions, um, but not including double-faced cards. And the Inventions and Expeditions are supposed to show up in roughly one of 33 boosters, and most stores, I believe, are getting something like 40 boosters. So... What the, what this really means is that each store is doling out um, a prize pack to people that either buy a, a box heading into the holidays potentially as a gift or or uh, in pursuit uh, of these premium cards or they win a FNM or standard tournament um, at the store and they you know one maybe two people at the store are going to get access to an extra invention or expedition. Not a tremendous amount of inventory being added to the marketplace, but definitely something to be keeping in mind as the environment continues to shift in favor of uh, additional reprints and uh, the, the the end of traditional methods of uh, printing and reprinting that we got used to for many years. It is probably worth noting that these packs also contain two non-premium cards that are either a rare or a mythic rare from a set currently legal in Standard, and that's from Battle for Zendikar up through Kaladesh, which means that uh, rares and mythics across the board are also getting additional inventory from these packs um, that are going to be floating around uh, in the marketplace, uh, further suppressing uh, the prices in Standard. And because this goes all the way back to Battle for Zendikar, um, cards like uh, Gideon, Ally of Zendikar, may have some downward price pressure on them uh, if they're released through these sets because there's quite a few, since the there are two non-premium cards in each of these packs, um, there's going to be many more uh, of the rares or mythics than there are of the Inventions and Expeditions, so that's something to be thinking of. I think the thing that we need to be most cognizant of here is that while these promotions are uh, net positive for most players they represent a a, an environment where Wizards is flailing around uh, trying to find solutions to what is probably um, a combination of lowered sales um, or sets not meeting sales targets over the last year and or lowered participation in LGS events. Because remember that those DCI numbers we've all been carrying around for years that the LGS has on record um, generate all sorts of data that Wizards can crunch to get a a sense of um, the participation levels at stores across um, the various regions. And when I see promotions like this popping out of the woodwork that we've never had before... Um, It definitely leads me to believe that um, something is amiss um, at headquarters, uh, and it is potentially the harbinger of a downward cycle um, where we may see uh, Magic going through a bit of a lull. Um, If that's the case, you can expect downward price pressure on most of your specs, and it's definitely something you should be keeping in mind and uh, that's for once uh, a true mtg fast finance Uh, without a co-host we have buzzed through pretty much everything for the week Uh, that is a wrap for this week folks and you guys can find me as per usual on twitter at mtg critic as well as via my weekly articles on mtgprice.com travis allen at wizard bumpin will be back with me next week And I'd like to remind our listeners to check out the mtgprice.com pro trader service for just $4.99 a month or $49.99 per year. You can get early access to this podcast, fantastic articles by the best MTG finance minds in the business, and a sweet set of online collection management and buy list tools that will drive better returns and save you money playing Magic the Gathering. Really enjoyed the discussion between me, myself, and I this week, and I'll see you guys next week on another episode of MTG Fast Finance.